Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Macabre Matinee with Craig and Sean. As always, I'm Craig Lance. And I'm Sean, Bearded Capulet. And this is where we give you our spoiler warning. We're about to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master. And if you haven't seen this movie and you don't want to be spoiled, now is your one and only chance. Well, I mean, I guess technically you can do it, but it's your one and only warning. That's right. To pause, <laughs> pause the, the show, go watch the movie, and then come back and uh, listen in to what our brilliant or lackluster <laughs> thoughts are on this movie. It, <laughs> it really leans either one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One way or the other, you're going to get some thoughts and... Where they fall on the genius uh, spectrum <laughs> is up to you to, to decide. That's right. Uh, so, as I said, this is uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master. This was released in 1988, written by William Kotzwinkel, Brian Helgland, and Jim and Ken Wheat. It was directed by Rennie Harlan. And this has, uh, of course, Robert England returning as Freddy. Rodney Eastman returning as Joey, Ken Sagos returning as Kincaid, and then recasting Kristen with the talented and lovely Tuesday Night, right. Lisa Wilcox as Alice, Andres Jones as Rick, and Danny Hassel as Dan. And I'm sorry I had to list pretty much the entire staff, but they all have <laughs> <laughs> pretty significant roles in the movie, I would say. Oh, indeed. And I guess it was never really clear why they had to recast Kristen, um, some debate on whether it was her, um, Patricia Arquette's, uh, agent asking for too much money or which is usually the case in these movies, but yeah, there was also um, talk of like some other movie, uh, scheduling conflicts, something about a pregnancy, <laughs> which I think got debunked. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She did not return though. Yeah. So either way, um, Tuesday night did a, uh, in a, an admiral job filling in. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's uh, let's get to the story. Uh, this starts with Kristen dreaming about Nancy's house or Freddie's house. I don't even know what to call it anymore because <laughs> apparently it is now Freddie's house yeah. and it's haunted or dream haunted <laughs> or something. So she decides to go into the house because you know why not? And as she starts working her way through the house and realizing that Freddie is trying to make a comeback, she calls her old warrior pals, Joey and Kincaid, in to help using her dream powers where she can call people into her own dreams. They, uh, You might remember that from the last episode, by the way, or yeah. the last uh, movie, by the way. Right, right. Direct continuation. Uh, you know, in a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is something that's... Uh, you know, not always done in horror movies, but hey, we got a direct one in this one. <laughs> so uh, they are startled awake when Kincaid's uh, dog attacks Kristen, waking them all up. Uh, the next morning, uh, she picks up her boyfriend, Rick, and his sister, Alice, and takes them to school. When they get to school, we meet the rest of Freddy's victims. I mean, the rest of their <laughs> friends. <laughs> And Kincaid and Joey finally meet up with Kristen and tell her that she's just got to quit dreaming about Freddy. There's more better things to dream about and that she is just going to bring him back because, you know, it's just that easy to quit dreaming about Freddy once you start. Yeah, naturally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can totally control that. And that's why these movies make so much sense. So... <laughs> 
That night, when Kincaid falls asleep, he awakens in the junkyard where Freddy's bones are buried. And Kincaid's dog, Jason, because why not? Of course. Pisses, <laughs> pisses fire on Freddy's grave. Because why which, not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, of course, for some reason, opens up Freddy's grave. Also, because why not? And... Uh, well, if, uh, according to, uh, as we've talked about before, how like the writers, and usually after the fact, want to come out and explain it. So here's their explanation, whether you buy it or not. Uh, the Jason name, they didn't acknowledge. But the reason it pisses fire is because <laughs> it's a representation of a hellhound that shows truly how evil Freddy is by being resurrected from the flames of hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Take okay. that for what we'll you will, that. but that's what they say. <laughs> okay. And... Uh, so Freddy's body kind of grows itself back together and he is resurrected and proceeds to kill off Kincaid and then Joey. And we know that Kristen is next because as he puts it, she is the last of the original Elm street brats. Right. So, uh, when he goes after Kristen, uh, she accidentally calls Allison to the dream and Freddy then in turn kills, kills Kristen but as Kristen dies, she transfers her powers of being able to call people into dreams over to Alice. Uh, using Alice's new powers, Freddy eventually picks off each of her friends, <laughs> leaving Dan and Alice as the lone two survivors. As Dan and Alice race to try to save one of their friends, Freddy causes them to get in a car accident. Dan is taken into surgery, and Alice rushes home to go to uh to get some sleep so that she can help uh Freddy ba- I mean help Dan battle Freddy since he's going into surgery and is going to be under sedation. Right. Uh Alice drugs herself and shows up just in time to help Dan. However, as the battle begins, Dan is awakened by the doctors who apparently are the quickest surgeons on the planet <laughs> and give the lowest dose of anesthesia ever. So Alice ends up battling Freddy using new talents that she has collected from all of her friends. But ultimately, she beats Freddy using her own knowledge. I'm sure there's some sort of uh, hidden uh, moral uh, story in there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, Death by looking at myself in a mirror. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah, get into that in a minute. She, yeah. <laughs> she uses a nursery rhyme and, as Sean said, a mirror to defeat Freddy. And as Freddy dies, all the souls of the people he has killed escape and are free to go on to their afterlife. Well, yep. So that's a pretty down and dirty um, <laughs> synopsis of the film. Uh, I know sometimes I go a little bit deeper into it, but... Honestly, without just describing every death, there right. wasn't a whole lot more to the substance of the movie. It's true. So it, it's a uh, not going to say retread, but the we are revisiting the the dreams with it or the power within dreams. And we do yeah. have a lot of returning characters, uh, as you said. Like Kincaid was the first one who got apparently super fucking nerfed. Cause, I mean, he pushed over a card. Couldn't do shit else. <laughs> you know, he was a super yeah. strong in the last movie. You know, we think he'd slam a whole car on him, you know, try to give up a fight. 
So he got he got taken down quick. I will say though, uh, going back to the uh, the resurrection of Freddy, as weird as it is having a dog pee flames, I really like the re- <laughs> kind of the the reverse footage of a melting body into reforming him. Yeah, it was a yeah. good effect, and you're gonna hear that a lot. There's a lot of good effects and some good ideas and a mediocre story to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I agree. The the effects throughout the movie were really rather done rather well right and uh yeah and then so as he picks off the kids one by one there's like again we, we get a little bit some basic like kincaid basically just got stabbed in the chest you know nothing unique nothing unique to him necessarily you know until just a good old stabbing leave it a message so before before oh, sorry, you knew from kincaid yeah. one of the things that bothered me about his death mm-hmm. is that it didn't materialize in the real world the way they had previously True, he just true. dies on his bed. Yeah, it was really weird because usually you would go back and his chest would have been sliced open or something. In the ah, very fair point. Uh, yeah, I guess I kind of overlooked that because what I do like, at least dirt, right before the death, is him getting what I call the trailer moment. You know, yelling up into the sky, Freddy's back. <laughs> but the but the pan out to being like the whole world is that trash? Is that a uh, that car lot thing? Yeah, that's a cool yeah, image. The junkyard, I, yeah, yeah, the junkyard. And again, cool image to a lame scene of like you know the Freddy's back, Freddy's back. Is yeah, you, like you said, it's kind of felt like it was in there for the trailer. Yeah, hey, exactly. Right. Which you get, but again, a very good image to a you know stab into the chest. But then we get uh, Joey, who had previously fell victim to a hot nurse. He now falls yeah, into- Joey's got a thing for hot women. <laughs> As I think most uh, people do, <laughs> this time he died by waterbed tits, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I hope the parents were more than just shocked at his death. Like, how the fuck did he get in there? <laughs> but I'll give it that though. That was a creative kill, at least. You know, it was creative, and it's one I've remembered uh, for. Yeah, a it's one that you kind of sticks with you yeah. uh, through the years. I think so. Um, yeah, there were some pretty cool like. I want to say cameos or things like that in here, kind of Easter oh, yeah. eggs. Yeah. Um, about 35 minutes into the movie, there's a magazine in Kristen's room with Johnny Depp on it. That was pretty funny. Nice little shout out back to uh, part one's cast. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, we do Kincaid's have a room. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. I was right. going to say in, K- in Kincaid's room, there's a original Hills have eyes poster hanging on the wall. Really? Okay. I missed that. Yeah. One. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, I was going to point out, it's very brief, and you would not know unless you really know this woman's, not body at work, but literal body, (laughs) or you read it in the, she did get credited in the thing. A horror uh, icon for some, I guess, definitely. Very nice lady that we had dinner with, uh, Leanna Quigley, is in this film. I did not catch that. Where is she in it? She is the woman that was paid to be in Freddy's chest and rub her boobs up against the transparent silicone or whatever effect they did of the, when the bodies are stretching. <laughs> and there's one that's a clear pair of tits. That, that's That hilarious. is Miss Leanna Quigley, who we, as I said, we had a very nice dinner with at our friends, uh, not just another Comic-Con convention. Well, in uh, Tuesday Night, who stars in this one we is did too. Kristen. Yeah. Well, she was supposed to be at his most recent one, right? And uh, was not there. So well, that's right. She was, was she at a preview? Yeah, she's been scheduled two or three times but uh, because of the 
yeah, because of the COVID and pandemics and stupid things going on in the world that right. uh, they've had to postpone it. So See, hopefully we'll get to meet her shortly. Yeah. So I wasn't a hundred percent because unfortunately, usually my work schedule, I, I rarely yeah. get to hang out afterwards. I did manage to make it to the Quigley's uh, dinner with Quigley's, but yeah, I know y'all get to hang out with a lot of the guests and I unfortunately rarely get to, so I wasn't sure if she had made it yeah. there or not. Cause I know I hadn't really, I hadn't had a chance to meet her personally. But still, yeah, she's you know. she's not one that I've met personally. Okay, yet, so. so probably hadn't made it yet. But I know she. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Though, she is on the docket to be at that con eventually. A uh, little note about this one: highest grossing Nightmare on Elm Street film, not counting the verses, because you know that's kind of both their films. Yeah, but not counting verses, this made the highest amount of money of all the Nightmare movies, and which it, yeah. also. Oh, go ahead. Which go ahead. I was going to say also caused the worst part of this movie. <laughs> But because it grossed so much, yeah. New Line decided they wanted to create a TV TV show. They did. Um, Freddy's Nightmares, was, which was an anthology horror series hosted by Freddy Krueger. Right. And it's as, about as good as it sounds. So <laughs> Yeah, Freddy telling uh, bad uh, tales from the crypt jokes. And which, again, yeah. this is the decline into... Uh, witty, goofy Freddy, which again works sometimes, but sometimes a little overdone. Uh, yeah, I felt like it worked pretty well in this movie overall. Like it wasn't like we haven't yeah. had Freddy's dead level of bad yet. But yeah, uh, this is Robert England's favorite film of the franchise. Yeah, so, yeah, and you um, can tell. I think I feel like he really had a lot of fun in this one because they were starting to allow. You know, as you said, I think we've mentioned it before that he kind of came from not necessarily comedic roots, but he always kind of played those characters, right? That had a little bit of wit to him, you know, like kind of a smart ass yeah. characters in the past. Yep. So I think he was having fun at getting to do that a little bit more with Freddie. Yeah. And you know, there's some very iconic Freddie scenes in this movie. Yeah. Which, um, you know, we'll probably get to here in a minute, but yeah, was a uh, was the uh, shark fin claw your iconic scene for you, buddy? <laughs> no, no, no. That uh, that uh, beach dream sequence was pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty good though. Um, also, in the hospital, when Kristen's in the hospital early in yeah. the movie, yeah, there is a PA announcement over the you know public addressing, of course, uh, for Doctor Shea. Which is a reference to the producer Robert Shea and his wife Lynn Shea. Oh, okay. And Lynn, you know, f- as the teacher from the first movie, right, and as right. the elder woman from the Insidious movies. So, nice. just some fun little facts about this movie. <laughs> some fun little Easter eggs they hid in there. But right. as far as the quality of the film goes, yeah, the story's a little hit and miss. Um, I did really, I thought it was filmed really, really well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, production on this was really well done. Because, again, whether lackluster story or not for you, like, again, we talked about the weird death of just a sudden nursery rhyme, and apparently Freddy's never looked in a mirror his entire time he's been haunting these people. <laughs> and 
but yeah, well, maybe yeah. you have to say the nursery rhyme while you're doing it. I don't know, yeah, right? But what it <laughs> did, but again, back to that production though, what it led to is a very cool death. Like we already mentioned, how there was obviously a naked woman, Leanna Quigley, in his body, but the arms reaching out and like that effect was really fucking cool. I really like it. Yeah, it just unfortunately was tied to this kind of a okay, wrap this up kind of ending, you know, of how to take care of him. I guess there's only so many ways to kill an immortal demon, I guess. Yeah, I I mean, they it did very much have that feel like, we don't know how to get rid of him, let's just make some shit up and right. whatever happens. But, you know, that's kind of been the way through the whole thing. It's uh, through the first four movies, it's like, um, whatever the characters believe will kill him will actually yeah. kill him. That's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, literally, I guess the first movie, she just turned her back on him. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay. Well, and there's a great part in it when, uh, when uh, I, I don't remember, she, not she, the one of the other characters, the mm. one that's the weightlifter, the exercise uh, gal. Debbie. Debbie. Yeah, Debbie. When Debbie uh, looks at him and says, I don't believe in you. And you're like, okay, well, they're going back down this route. Right. And then he looks at her and says, but I believe in you, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, kind of like, it's yeah. kind of like one of those moments in a vampire movie when they pull out the cross and, okay, here, I've got the cross. This will stop you. And the vampire says, ah, but you don't believe, you know? Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was kind of that, okay, well, they're going to use what worked in the first movie. Doesn't work in this movie, but. I kind of have to go with maybe they're just going with whoever the hero slash heroine of the movie is, whatever they believe is what will kill him. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, because that that does fall in line with the previous film. So, yeah, that's a fair theory for sure. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I really liked when Freddy was resurrected, not just the scene of him being resurrected, but when he's chasing... Uh, Kincaid through the the uh, junkyard, yeah. and at one point you just see his shadow. Oh yes, and no, it's no. just straight yeah. up the Jace. I mean the Freddy pose. Mm-hmm. You know the one arm sloped to the side, and everything about it is just a cool moment. Oh yeah, yeah, because that uh, again, great cinematography, great effects, just. Uh... Like I said, not this is and this uh, don't get it wrong. We're we're nearing the worst territory, and this is nowhere near those. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I guess following Dream Warriors is hard for me, you know, because as as you know, if y'all watched our last video, yeah, I ranked that five star. That's uh, yeah, arguably my favorite of the series, <laughs> and uh, hard to follow up, you know. But again, cool ideas, some cool concepts in there, even just, and stuff that has stuck with me. You know what I mean? Like just the. Uh, Again, like the resurrection scene, the death scene. Uh, for some reason, the uh, the people uh, sausages in the pizza. <laughs> I've always remembered that. For some reason, that uh, always stuck with me. <laughs> in his little snarky comment where he says, "I I love soul food," as he's eating, you know, one of the kids and the right. pizza. And again, I think uh, the unique deaths that are linked to each team also stand yeah. out very well. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, go for, go ahead. What were oh, you gonna say? I was gonna say just like uh, without revealing, you know, we'll we'll get to kill of the week a little bit later. But just yeah, how you know from the asthma to the fear of bugs to the uh, 
you know, love of naked women that killing Joey. You know, like uh, there were some like you know deaths that were fit to each, and I that's why I think I really are some of my favorite deaths of the franchise are when they are unique. Even the, uh, eh, I mean, it's late '80s. We've already gotten like no retreat, no surrender to the Karate Kid. So we got the kung, we got the the Karate guy. Uh, man, I'm forgetting his name yep. all of a sudden. Uh, Rick. Rick. Uh, the fight being, uh, you know, it, it was. Like, obviously, we're not expecting uh, a Freddy full-on martial arts showdown with him. Although, I still think this is where he learned his moves that he uses on Jason in the Versus film. <laughs> um, but still. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. yeah. But still, just the whole fight and, you know, it, him messing with him and all his martial art training, the focus thing. You know, him just kind of taunting him and, and cheating. Basically, when he got disarmed <laughs> to make that glove fly. You can't train for that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> What? But yeah, but still, I mean, yeah. Rick, Rick's really bad taekwondo couldn't save him from that. <laughs> Look, sir, it was fantastic taekwondo that he learned by watching Bruce Lee do Jeet Kune Do somehow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with his Karate Kid headband with the Rising Sun logo, and, uh, every typical '80s bad martial art flick thrown into one character. Who, uh, yes, who just really wanted to be Ferris Bueller, who took Taekwondo lessons on the weekend, <laughs> but not not my favorite <laughs> character. But again, I, I did like though his relationship with his sister. You know, like actually, yeah, I felt they had really good chemistry as siblings. I agree. Um, I I actually thought the acting in this film was really good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can uh, probably. Uh, uh, second, of course, to Dream Warrior at right. this point, but I thought the acting was super solid in this uh, well, movie. I'll, I'll even be honest, though, uh, as far as just acting, like story aside, how they're delivering their lines. I also I think a lot of these yeah. actors were better than even Dream Warriors. But like, what I love about Dream Warriors is the cheesiness of a lot of them. You know, but like, yeah, I think you're right. I think that that one gets a level up, maybe for me, <laughs> just because Patricia Arquette's so good in it. True, absolutely but, true. Um, but. Tuesday night did really, really well, as I said, um, recasted in that role. So, um, you know, I, overall, yeah, I thought the acting was really good. Even the guy, Dan, that, you know, had never been in anything previously. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he did well. I felt like the, the core group of people, again, it's a typical, you know, eighties, nineties slasher film where it's full of stereotypes, right? Whatever. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, no, I was going to say, if you're the jock, you're the jock. If right. you're the, you know, you're watching The Breakfast Club in a horror movie, yeah. essentially. You got the eccentric group of teens who have nothing to like, but for some reason are all friends. <laughs> yeah, and none of them should be friends. Right. You right. know. Yeah, until they spend, a, like you said, a Saturday in detention and writing about their lives. <laughs> a very breakfast club <laughs> get together. Exactly. <laughs> I went through high school, and that's the most far fetched part of this entire story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but, yeah, again, the kill count is fairly low for a slasher film. Yeah. But, you know, um, I think what what the Nightmare on Elm Street movies do instead of focusing on a high kill count is they focus on tension for the kills. Right. And and I think that that they do it pretty well. And as you said, just the uh, the uh, kind of how they tailor each kill for each person. Yeah. And yeah. their character. Um, 
you know, sometimes the they kill the tension with the comedy a little bit and the in the snarkiness of Freddy. Right. Uh, like there was really no tension in Rick's death. It was just kind of funny because he's just doing martial arts moves to an invisible <laughs> <Right>. Freddy, you know? <laughs> so, you know, but some of them, are, you know, there's a lot of tension in them. So, uh, as per usual, in a lot of these movies, the most tension is at the very beginning. Right. And, and I don't know why they do that. I mean, it's like the, the first kill and the last, like the last battles where all the tension is, but you know, I guess it's just the trope for the horrors horror yeah. genre it does tend to feel like like okay uh we know we and i know this film particularly had a lot of rewrites apparently during development a lot of storylines changed and dropped but uh you know this one does feel like what when you get the feeling sometimes in a lot of different movies too where it's like okay we have a cool idea of freddy coming back and killing the kids from the previous ones that survived but where do we go right. from there but then it's Phil, and then we well, know we want to kill him, but they have to kind of make it up not as not as strong of a uh, idea for the middle. So this movie also was filmed during a writer strike. Oh, okay. And, and so during that strike, um, when they had to make changes to the script, right? Apparently, Rennie Harlan, the director, didn't speak real uh, English real well. So, um, some of it, like the scene where they're watching the video of, uh, Kristen after her death, mm-hmm. that was added late into production during the strike. And so the two kids just ad libbed that entire scene, oh. Allison. And, yeah. So, um, that might explain a little bit of the kind of, um, I don't want to say incoherency because it is a solid coherent story right i don't really necessarily go into horror movies looking for deep especially slasher movies looking for deep subtext in my plot um as long as the story feels like it fits together i'm usually okay right um but you know it might explain a little bit of that kind of quirkiness that this movie has um also i noticed that uh, when i was looking up the uh credits for the writers Jim and Ken Wheat, who are credited as writing this, when they, in the original credits, they were credited under an alias. So I have a feeling they probably broke the strike right. to to write it, and so they wouldn't put their own name on there because they didn't want, uh, you know, to get outed. But they oh, wow. they wrote it as as Scott Pierce, an alias, and they both use that name. Hmm. So if you watch the movie, it's going to say written by so-and-so, 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 and Scott Pierce instead of Jim and Ken Wheat. So, um, you know, there there was a lot going on at that time, so I, I have a feeling that kind of affected it. Yeah, I mean, um, it would have to have because, yeah, we're right. dealing with people literally having to walk off the set because, like, you know, like a union job, you know, the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild – they tell you to stop. If you want to keep working after the strike, you got to stop. And that, that's right. That would a hundred percent mess with production of this. So yeah, I mean, and you can feel that even it, like the writer strikes have happened a few times in my lifetime. And right. you can always tell when like a series significantly changes in like tone or quality 
and as as a result. So yeah, maybe that 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 would probably that does explain a lot about this. Well, and then if you have a, a director as you did in this case, that you know his English at that time was fairly broken. Right. So you know, there's probably a little bit of a, a communication thing going on, even when you're trying to rewrite parts of the script to get the movie you want out. Right. So, um, and apparently, uh, Rennie Harlan, uh, they told him no, and he just wouldn't give up. He just kept showing back up at New Line Cinemas every day till they finally caved and gave him the oh wow the job. Okay. Yeah, he he really wanted to do this job huh. to direct this. Uh, movie for some reason so hey, gotta get out there and get your foot in the door i guess yeah you know and i mean i feel like he did a, a like i said the cinema uh cinematography and yeah. just the overall feel of the movie i feel like was uh right on par um the there was really only one effect that bothered me in this movie uh and that was uh uh the smart girl, I uh, can't, Sheila, Sheila when yeah. she falls asleep in the room, because, you, you know, you, you have to have the kids fall asleep in the classroom. <laughs> it's just a thing in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Right. But when she falls asleep in the, in the classroom, the whole thing where her arm gets sucked into the, into oh, the desk. Yeah. And it's not, it's not necessarily that it's bad for the time that it's made. It's just bad C- CGI that doesn't hold up to today's standards. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of hard to be too negative about that because overall the effects in this movie are really good. As you pointed out, there's none of that kind of like really wanky stuff. Yeah. Most of it is, uh, yeah. Like solid, uh, uh, Practical effects. That's the word I was trying to think of. You know, they they did a couple times where, yeah, like you said, with her arm and when Freddie gets that hole blasted through his chest, kind of a uh, green screen yeah. effect. And it, not the best, but it worked. And then a cool effect of him just mo- waving his arms in front of it and healing it completely. So yeah. I think that's when he tells her he's immortal. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I am forever. I think it was a term or so. Or no, it, it was immortal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I am, I am immortal. Um, yeah, they're, you know, so overall the effects are really good. Like you said, good practical effects that they do in this movie. Um, even the, the glove is a shark fin worked, (laughs) you know, kind of a nod to jaws. It was silly, but Hey, um, not the, you know, not the first time we've seen that sort of effect in a movie. Oh no. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, what was your, your kill in this one? All right. Well, it was the one like, and we're talking about practical effects, and whether it's not, it's not I I think it's brutal kill actually because the the final moment isn't necessarily like the best part, but all the build up, it's it's Debbie's, who was yeah. shown earlier having a fear of or just as anyone I guess would be pulling out a uh, I think she was like pork rind or whatever she was snacking on had a giant cockroach on it, and yeah. stepped on it and really just emphasized how much she hates bugs, so when she was uh working out and Freddie shows up and like breaks her arms while she's lifting the weights to re- and them to fall off to reveal <laughs> cockroach arms. And then she's in a giant yeah. trap and just like all that build up. And granted, like I said, then, you know, and it kind of makes sense. Freddie just squishes her in the trap, but all that, like her turning yeah. into a bug was, it has stuck with me probably more than most of the kills in nightmare on Elm street. 
And well, and just the scene where she, I mean, just the part where she's lifting weights and he breaks her arm. Yeah. So cringy right there. <laughs> it's worth it itself. Absolutely. Um, honestly, this was mine as well. But if right. we want to go with a, a 1B, I would throw in the waterbed scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just yeah, because sure. it's so iconic <clears throat> where he gets, uh, as you alluded, he sees the girl that's on his poster she kind of floats to the top of his waterbed, and then Freddy comes and pulls him under and drowns him in the waterbed. Yep. <laughs> Which, again, Freddy affecting real life through the dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And I ain't gonna lie, like, uh, <clears throat> I saw that, I remember that scene being somewhere in my, you know, well after this came out, like, but what is one of the uh, early nightmares uh, on Elm Street that I saw. And I never looked at a waterbed the same since. I still think, like, you know, not that you really see waterbeds anymore, but anytime I had seen one, I think about that. So it's, it's always stuck with me. For yeah, you know, obviously nudity, sure, but also just yeah, it was like just to see that, and then all of a sudden Freddy bursts out of it and just drowns and stabs him, and then it's all right back to where it was. It's, it's a creative. Kill. Yeah, it was a creative kill, and uh, you know, I I don't know when i first saw this movie because i don't know i feel like i must have skipped this movie and came back to it later okay like i didn't necessarily see this one in order right but uh because the i honestly believe that the next one that i'd seen was uh dream child which i think is the next one we're watching it is yeah yeah, I know so, I saw three uh, and four back to back somehow. Like I probably rented them or something, or someone had them, and we watched those. Cause I remember always remember watching these two right back to back, even when I hadn't seen like part one yet. So, and I only say that because I owned a damn waterbed at the time this came out. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, senior in high school, my uh, my mom was super big on waterbeds, so she'd got us waterbeds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, now of course, uh, no. As you said, no one has them. Uh, yeah. They went from the the ones that are shown in this movie, the kind of eighty style waterbeds, to they went to the ones that are like regular mattress but feel like foam. Right. But now there's so much of the foam mattresses that they just don't do that anymore. So if they made a Freddy movie now, I'm not sure how he would kill somebody with that. He'd affect their memory foam into himself. <laughs> and- yeah, like I made your bed <laughs> lumpy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that for sure. So, yeah. So, um, anything else to add to this one? Honestly, not because, like, again, to me, it's a very middle of the road film with some very good yeah. effects and kills. So, yeah, honestly, I think we kind of covered it. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think this is one of those that you know even the plot summary was fairly short because it's not that uh, there's not things happening. It's just that the plot is you know like I said I could have described all the kills, but you know um, go watch it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I sure. guess I guess all that's left then is uh, rating it. So um, you've said it a couple of times. It's middle of the road. So where does that put that for you? Well, uh, by the time it ended. I had written on my notes, uh, three and a half stars. Uh, but then the song, which played during Debbie's death and like, she's working out, which turned out to be a yeah. fat boy song, which I didn't know. Yeah. I always forget. And then in the credits, Freddie starts rapping. So, oh yeah. So that so brought it down to a three star. 
That that dropped it to a three star. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like kind of like the the turtles rapping in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, to you? no, oh no, sir. Ninja Ninja rap <laughs> is musical gold. You do not be- compare the two. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, um, I gave this a three as well. Right. Um, Actually, it started off with a two point five, but as we had talked through the movie, I, I went ahead oh. and raised it to a three. Yeah, as um, it happens, you know. Well, I realized there were some things that I hadn't put together, and ultimately, had it not had the silly ending, right? It probably would have rated higher to me. You know, a nursery rhyme beating beating <laughs> Freddy. Yeah, but then my sure. realization that that you know maybe it's just what the characters believe is what kills him. So. Right. Um, ultimately, I went ahead and raised it to a three, so that gives it a total of a six, and I think that's a pretty fair yeah. rating for this movie. Um, it, it's it's a solid entry in the series, but it's not the best in the series. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that that is indicated by that score. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. about all I got on it. <laughs> yep. So, again, not one, I mean, you know, like, so far we've only said one of the franchise that is skippable. So, but you can still get a solid viewing experience, I think, from one, just one, three, and four. So, again, right now, we have a pretty good Nightmare trilogy overall. I agree. If you're not inclined, you just want to watch the gold for what we've covered so far, and... To be honest, with a little little spoilers, uh, probably not going to get much better. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you definitely yeah, got a good yeah. yeah you definitely got a good trilogy with connections from Nancy up till now. You know, through the you know Debbie and all, or not Debbie uh, Kincaid and all of them. You know, you have a one solid story that if this was the end, I wouldn't be mad. So yeah, e- go ahead. As per most of these series, they go on longer than they should. <laughs> For sure. And y'all will find that out next week. So, But if you like <laughs> this week, uh, please drop a comment down below. We always appreciate hearing from y'all. And uh, as you know the drill by now. Like, comment, subscribe, share, tell your friends, and stay tuned tomorrow for, or tomorrow, <laughs> stay tuned next week for yet another Nightmare on Elm Street. We'll catch y'all later. Yep. Talk to you next week. <laughs>